If you will please stand with me for the reading of the word. We're going to look at John chapter 5. I will say this also. If you haven't seen the program yet, go check out the program from last Monday night with, or I guess it was aired on Thursday night from TBN. And it was the Praise the Lord show. Pastor Anthony Mangan was on there. Sister Vesta Lane was on there. I was in the studio. It was in Dallas. Very powerful didn't quite translate as powerfully as it was in person, but it was still very powerful. That is, according, I talked to Brother Anthony this morning, that is uh, currently the number fourth, the most viewed, the fourth most viewed Praise the Lord program in the last nine months. And tremendous response, tremendous inquiries. Uh, I know just on the Facebook video, there's over 140,000 views. It's been pretty huge. Go check it out, and uh, and and you 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 may get a glimpse may get a glimpse of me. But that's not what it's about, right? That's not that's not what it's about. You'll 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 enjoy the program. I promise you. John chapter five, verse five. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. This is probably Passover. If you lived within a 20-mile radius, you were required to be there, make a pilgrimage. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. What a great story. I'd like to preach the third installment in our series, I Love My Church. And today's subtitle is, People Defined by Their Future, Not Their Past. I love my church. You are a people defined by your future and not by your past. Shall we pray? Father, thank you so much for this little story. I pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts. Make it very specific, God. Take it from just a general word and make it a specific word from, Lord, just something that's just preached to something that speaks and cuts to the heart, and I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The book of John differs from the other Gospels. John intentionally covers precise <coughs> precise events in the ministry of Jesus, focusing primarily on the events of only 22 days. So every day, every story in the book of John, is very significant. And here we have one such day, one such story. Three and a half years of ministry. 
consolidated down to 22 days. Jesus makes a pilgrimage into Jerusalem for a holiday, a holy day. It's probably Passover. It would be the second Passover he would attend during his earthly ministry. Just outside the city wall, right outside the sheep gate, where sheep were brought into the city to be sacrificed in the temple, there was this structure with five colonnades and a covered porch surrounding a pool. And that pool was known as the Pool of Bethesda. It was said that an angel would trouble the waters in the pool from time to time. Some translators say, at a certain season. And the first person in the pool at the time would be healed. So around the Pool of Bethesda, there were many sick people, lame people, infirmed people, waiting for the stirring of the water. The story has no precedent, meaning there's no Old Testament record anywhere of something like this happening before. And there's no promise of, I'm going to put a pool outside the gate, the sheep gate at Jerusalem, and I'll stir it from time to time, and you can get in and get healing. There's no promise of that. As a result, some say it's legendary, just a common legend at the time of the writing, and John just refers to it, not intending to verify its authenticity. Others say John was indeed absolutely claiming it to be a fact, period. Whatever the case may be, I don't know, certainly. But I do know this, God has a problem, he thinks he's God. And he can do whatever he wants to do. So if he wants to send an angel down to this weird little pool, he can do it and people can be healed. And the Holy Spirit led John to put this story in the canon of Holy Scripture. And so here we are. In the reading, we see this man who had been sick for 38 years. That's a long time. Now Jesus said that was a long time, John 5, 5 and 6. One man was there who had been sick for 38 years, verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been there a long time. So 38 years, according to your Bible, is a long time. If you're 38 years old, you've been living a long time. Now we know from the book of Timothy, Timothy was probably in his late 40s, and Paul called him a young man. Let no man despise thy youth. You don't let anybody put you down, disregard you because you're so young at 48. Can I get an amen from somebody out there? But 38 years, according to your Bible, is still a long time. Can you imagine this guy had been coming to the pool day in, day out for 38 long years, waiting, unsuccessfully waiting for a miracle? He had a team of supporters, obviously. People who would literally pick him up, take him to the pool, set out his mat, get him ready to face the day. Apparently, they would make sure he was fed, had his personal needs attended to, but they could not stay with him all the day long to make sure that he could get in when the water was troubled. As a result, this guy said, I don't have a man to put me in the water when it's stirred. I can't get in that water in time, and get healed. I don't have a man. In other words, he had a game plan, but his game plan only took him so far. And 38 years into the process, he was in the same shape that he was when he started the process. 
There are many pools of Bethesda today. We could look at them. We see people all around them. People who believe one day, I'm convinced, this will make me better. I know it hasn't so far, but I'm hoping one day it will. There is a pool of Bethesda, a pool of Bethesda that we could call a pool of alcohol. There's a pool of drugs, people leaning on these things to help them in their infirmities. And so far, it's not really worked. If anything, things have gotten worse. There's a pool of broken relationships. There's a pool of religion. There's a pool of things, stuff, money. There's a pool of education and a pool of career advancement. It's like we know we're broken. We know we need healing. So we go, we do, we work, we accumulate. And years later, we're still in the same condition, lying there, lame. This man had been there so long. He had become defined by his past. He's simply referred to in Scripture as a man who had been sick for 38 years. The thing that made this man stand out from the crowd was the length of time he had been sick and waiting on his healing. The amount of years had become an identity marker, a monument. 38 years of no results. 38 years of fruitless efforts. And I believe God put this message on my heart because there may be somebody here today and you've become defined by your past. People know you from your past, by your past. You've just not been able to break free of it no matter how hard you've tried, no matter what you've tried. I want to encourage you today. No matter how long you've been stuck in this negative track, no matter how many missed opportunities are in your past, no matter how many times you may have blown it, you don't have to be defined by your past. You can be defined by your future. You don't have to be defined by your failures. You can be identified by His success. Hallelujah. I love my church. Because we are a people who are defined by our future and not by our past. I don't care how long you face your problems. I don't care how long you face your issues. The thing that's come to define you. I know a God who is able and willing to meet you right where you are at the point of your need and set you free from your past and give you a fresh start, and a new day, and a new season, and a new beginning. Can somebody give the Lord some praise right now? Feel my help, Lord. <clears throat> now, I want to cover something that somebody might be thinking right now. Some of you are in church. You've been in church for a while. And still, you've been stuck in this past, this track record of failure and defeat and not being able to achieve what you believe God wants you to achieve. When you got in the church, when you were born again, immediately you knew you were different. I've been changed. I have a hope. I have a future. I'll never be the same. God's going to do something great in me. God put dreams and visions in your heart, desires. The Bible said, delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. You got in church 
and God put desires in your heart that were different. You knew things were going to be different. But then, as life went on, and we faced challenges, and there's a mean devil resisting us every step of the way, we live in a fallen world, a broken world, we struggle with our own negative nature, we have to renew our minds, present our bodies as a sacrifice, and that ain't easy. Some of us, along the way, just kind of gave up on ever becoming the man or the woman of God that we thought we would become. Are you with me? I want to help you today. Maybe we even had a major stumble, a fall that people knew about, and we just resigned ourselves to being a crippled at the pool of Bethesda from that moment on. I'm going to tell you, you are still part of a family that is not defined by its past, but by its future. Just because you got in church and didn't do everything right, you don't have to be defined by that past either. Just as you were changed when you first came in, we're changed every step of the way. I'm not defined by yesterday's failure. I'm defined by the blood of my Jesus who has forgiven me and washed me and cleansed me. Just like I was forgiven at the beginning. Hey, if he loves the lost and the sinner, how much more does he love his own children? We're still not defined by our past. And there's such a beautiful story in the Bible that illustrates this. I want to look at it. And let me put it this way. We are in the new covenant. The old covenant, listen, is nothing to put down and and nothing to smirk at. That old covenant was filled with promises and goodness and power. I'm talking about it was through that old covenant that the children of Israel walked across the Red Sea on dry land. That's some power. It was through that old covenant that there was a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. It was through that old covenant that there was a rock that provided water for millions of people in the middle of a bone-dry desert. It was through that old covenant that all those miracles took place. And that old covenant is superseded by this new covenant. But let me show you something from the book of Luke chapter 13, starting with verse 10. Now, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up But when Jesus saw her, he called her her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her. And immediately, boom, she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them. And not on the Sabbath day. Is that crazy or what? Boy, religious people, man, they are just mean. Mean people. Mean guys. You just say, bend over one more day, honey. We'll get Jesus back tomorrow. Not Jesus. He's like, come here, girl. Thou art loosed. Boom. Sabbath, no Sabbath. Jesus, look at this. The Lord then answered him and said, hypocrite. 
Don't you love that? People want to be like, Jesus is so sweet. We love sweet Jesus. Sweet Jesus. First of all, all the paintings of Jesus, first of all, he's always white. Like real, real white. Pasty white. Am I right? And he's always, I, I, I know this is politically incorrect, but he's always sissified looking. Always stays, his toes are pointy, you know, as a kid, pointy toes. It's just like. And we just see Jesus as this effeminate, soft. Jesus looks at this ruler of the synagogue and just straight up says it. You are a hypocrite. What is wrong with you, dude? And then he gives some context. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath day loose his ox or donkey from the stall? Honestly, he's saying, you two-faced. You worthless. You care more about your ox and your donkey, your blind moron. You lead that ox and donkey to water it. Listen to this. So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. And when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. Sweet baby Jesus shamed his adversaries in front of God and everybody else because it was all about this woman. She had a covenant right to Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God who heals me of all my diseases. Satan had deceived her. Satan had bound her religious People had let her down, but Jesus stepped in and said, Woman, thou art loose. Today salvation has come to you. Listen, if he cared about a woman in the Old Testament, he cares about a woman in the New Testament. He cares about a man in the New Covenant. He cares about you. He cares about you. He wants to deliver you. He wants to heal you. Jesus said, Ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham. In other words, if anybody ought to be loosed, it's her. She has a covenant right to healing. She should expect it. She should demand it. And indeed, when Jesus commanded her to be healed and laid his hands on her, she received her healing. And Satan was defeated. Satan gets the glory when God's people are bound and hindered, have a covenant right, have covenant privileges, have throne room access, and walk around mealy-mouthed like God can't do nothing for us. I'm telling you, the devil is a liar, and it's time that he become defeated in your life, in your marriage, in your finances, in your home. Come on, give him some praise right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank Him for freedom. Thank Him for liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. I love it. I love my church because we are people defined by our future. 
and not by our fast, our past, not by our fast either. He is still, church, able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. Mountains are still moving today. God still heals. God still delivers. The devil wants you to believe, I'm stuck. I'll never get past this. I'll never be delivered. I'll always struggle with this addiction. You may be stuck here for another 18 years or 38 years. The devil wants to tell you that. But you hear this preacher today, the devil is a liar. He gets the glory from all of that. But when you're set free by the power of God, when you reach out and receive that in Jesus' name, God gets all the glory. Hallelujah. I love it. This guy in our reading had forgotten his dream. I want to illustrate that for you. He started out with a powerful dream that compelled him to act. He had assembled and organized a team that got him to the pool every day. The pool had a reputation as being a place where people got healed. So he's pursuing a dream to be healed to the best of his ability. Let's go back 38 years to the very beginning. That very first day, he was probably excited, pumped, thinking this could be the day. This could be the day when I just roll over up in this thing and I come out totally healed. I've got this infirmity and I just believe today could be the day. And so he goes back the second day and the third day and the fourth day and the fifth day. And he's getting acclimated and he's finding his groove. He's finding some things out. He's learning along the way. He has a lot of time to think. He's figuring things out. But he's still excited. Today could be the day. And then you go into it two years, five years. 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and by 38 years, he's wilted into, I don't have a man. He didn't start out that way. He started out by saying, I'm going to get my healing. I'm going to go to this pool every day. But now 38 years into the process, he says, no, it can't happen. That's what he said. It can't happen. I don't have the help that I need. His youthful advantage had slipped away. His team no longer stayed with him through the day. His faith had waned. Over time, his dream had been drained dry at the pool of Bethesda. Folks, our dreams of God's supernatural intervention in our lives, the calling, the gifting, the things that he's put in your spirit, disillusionment can set in, and rather than seeing the glass half full, You'll become one of those people that sees it half empty, even though God is in the equation. I know He does. I know for some it happens. But you know what? For me, I just don't see it. I don't, I, I'm not going to be able to receive it. I don't have the strength to receive it. I can't be in the right place at the right time. But I love it. This is not the end of this man's story. It was just the beginning. And it's not the end of your story. Do you hear what I'm saying? It can be just the beginning. In verse 6, Jesus said to him as if to remind him, Son, don't you want to be healed? That's the idea. Don't you want to be healed? He's saying, don't forget your dream. Don't forget why you started out in the first place. You were just trying to fill a void. You were trying to heal the brokenness in you. Don't lose your dream. And God wants me to remind somebody today, remember when you started out and God put some dreams in you? Don't lose that dream. Don't let the devil steal that dream. Don't let the cares of this life steal that dream. God still wants to use you mightily, man. God still wants to do something great in your life, ma'am. Don't lose that dream. 
I know tough times come. I know difficult times come. You know, Job just said it, said man's born full of day, a few days and full of trouble. Trouble comes, man. Persecutions come. Difficulties come. Stress comes. Comes to us all. Trouble visits us all. But God is good and God is faithful. And God will see you through those dark times. Don't lose faith. Don't give up the dream. When Valerie and I moved to Prairieville, we lived in a couple of houses. One house we were renting. We were very happy there. But the landlord got transferred. He worked for a major oil company, and he got transferred back from Mexico City to Baton Rouge. And on a short notice, we had to leave that house because of claws in the thing where he could come back. Then we moved into another house, and, and we didn't like this house near as much, even though it was on the same street, and it was a very nice house. just wasn't the house for us. And we wanted to buy a house. The problem was Valerie was a student because she was a student forever. And I, I was uh, a home missionary planting a church and working umpteen dozen jobs trying to just make ends meet and, and keep the rent paid and current on the church and just, it was a very difficult time. We wanted a place that would be ours for a long time and the second house we lived in, we, we really didn't feel peace about it. We kind of shot just kind of a half-hearted offer their way and it, nothing really worked out and we needed some help. We couldn't just straight up go to the mortgage company and buy it. We knew we wanted a place that would be ours for a long time, though. Our kids were getting to a, a place where we didn't need to move as much as we had in the past. We had already moved 15 times in our marriage. And so we wanted to kind of settle down for a minute. And uh, we thought that would be a good idea. And we felt direction to do that, someplace we could stabilize and raise our kids. We went driving around and... Well, we found this house, this house that was about 80% completed, sitting vacant, had a little for sale by owner sign on it, scribbled on just ratty little sign. And we crawled in the back window, broke in the house. Yeah, your pastor, yeah, that's what we did. In Jesus' name, walked in, looked around. I called this guy. He lived in Harvey, Louisiana. He told me his story. He said, I was building this house and had it custom a certain way for a certain reason. And <coughs> my plant situation changed. And I'm back down here in New Orleans. And I just now I got two houses. I got to get rid of it. And I said, well, I might as well put all my cards on the table. I said, Jeff, here's the deal. I'm a, I'm a church planter. Do you know what that is? Well, he's Catholic. He wasn't too sure. I said, well, I'm a church planter. You know, you guys like did this, you know, like a thousand years ago. Like we just did this, you know, a couple days ago. And I'm a church planter. And, and um, you know, that means I'm starting a local assembly, a local church. And my wife is a student uh, because she's been a student forever. And I see light at the end of the tunnel, but I'm not there yet. I can't get financing yet. But if you'll work with me, I think God wants us to have this house. Now, one of the things we loved about our house, this house, is that it had a huge living area. If you've ever been to our house, you know that. And, and it could be a, we could have church in that room. We could have meetings in that room. We could do Bible studies in that room. And, and so 
we believe God had saved this house just for us. So I said, listen, you got to work with us. Now, <clears throat> we had prayed. We believed we were going to get this house. But we asked the Lord that he would help us and that we would not look foolish. And the word of the Lord that came to us was, you will not be put to shame. In other words, I didn't want to buy this house or make a deal on this house and then not be able to perform and lose it or fall apart. And so we just got a word. You will not be put to shame. And so made this offer to this guy like a kind of a lease with an option, put like a month's worth of rent down. It's 80% completed. We said we'll finish the house. That was another story. And we did finish it. I mean, we went cheap. We did it as we could. I just put down some insulation in the last couple of weeks that I needed to put down almost 10 years ago. Yeah. Thank you. For re- That's a true story right there. We did it as we could. You know, like nobody sees the insulation, you know, like. Looks completed, kind of cold. We just finished putting in some insulation. We finished it as we could. We we did this lease with an option. We we converted to a, a temporary some temporary financing for a, a couple years into it, and then but straight up because of the blessing of the Lord a few years back, we purchased that house legitimately, if I can put it that way. Now here's the deal: it was impossible. Every step was impossible, but we walked in faith. God worked it out. We lived in that house. Listen, we've lived in that house longer than we've lived anywhere in our marriage. It became a house where we put down roots, raised our kids. We got grandbabies, toys, and walkers and stuff all in there now. Let me tell you something. Don't give up on your dream. Whatever that dream may be, whatever God puts in your heart, you make steps. You make baby steps. You make little steps. But you keep moving forward. Don't let the devil tell you it's not going to come to pass or that you didn't hear from God in the first place. The devil's a liar and a thief. God is more interested in your future than your past. He can redeem that past and give you a hope and a future that will blow your mind. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I'm closing here. This is fascinating to me. Jesus tracked down the man that was healed at the pool of Bethesda and told him, don't you sin, son, unless something worse comes on you. Track this guy down. Don't you sin unless something worse comes. The the idea is this. It looks as if sin was part of the problem in the first place. But here's what's beautiful. Jesus healed him even though he had sin in his life. What? Oh, I don't don't believe that, Pastor. I'm telling you, we got to get, we got to come to Jesus. We got to be cleaned up when we get in his presence you don't even know how bad messed up you are what do you mean you got to get cleaned up? Uh, uh, li- listen if you're going to eat some cereal and I tell you oh I, I better stop that illustration that just went through my brain you, you see when Valerie starts telling me not to say it it just makes me want to say it you know 
you're going to eat you some cereal. And I say, I'm going to put just a little bit of, you just think of the worst thing you can think of. I'm going to put a little, just a little bit of this in that cereal. And, and don't worry about it. It's fine. No, it's not. If you're thinking about what I'm thinking about, it ain't fine at all. Okay. Nope, it ain't fine. I don't want anything to do with it. We come to God and we get all cleaned up, but we got just a little bit of sin in our life. That little bit of sin is enough to send us to hell for an eternity. I'm going to tell you something. You'll never get cleaned up enough to come to God. But I'm going to tell you, you come to Jesus just like you are with an open heart. And he'll say, you don't worry about that sin. I'll give you warning. I'll convict you. But I'll touch you just like you are. You lean hard into me and watch what I do. Don't let sin take you away from the dreams that God's put in your heart. You just bring your sin to Jesus. We don't have a sin problem. We have a bringing sin to Jesus problem. Because we got a Savior that's greater than any sin. Amen. Aren't you glad he's greater than every sin? Stand with me right now. You don't have to be defined by your past. You can be defined by your future. You can be defined by your future. Pastor, I struggle with this addiction. Pastor, I struggle with this. You don't understand. Even this week. Nobody knows about this, but even this week, I was dealing with this. I was struggling with this. I'm having a hard time in this area, Donovan. I'm going to tell you something. Your heavenly Father, He's already aware of all of that stuff. And here He is with His arms open wide, saying, do you want to be healed? I know you've struggled with this for years, but do you still, don't you want to be free? Jesus is here to set the captive free. No matter how long of a struggle you've had, and no matter what the reason is behind it, Jesus not only knows where you are, He knows how you got there. He looks at trajectories. It's not like, ooh, you're in such an awful situation. I can't do anything for you. Faith is not where you are, faith is which way you're facing. In other words, you can be in a terrible situation. How you got there is irrelevant. That man said, I have no man. It's other people's fault. Jesus looked at him and said, you got a sin problem too. But the, the point was this. Jesus told him, he said, you take up your bed and walk. You're healed. The man right there with excuses, with problems, with 38 years of baggage, he stands up. And he's totally healed. In other words, his heart had been in a place of unbelief, but he turned it to Jesus and said, I received that. And he stood up first time, took his bed, walked, totally healed. Woman, that woman that had that spirit of infirmity for all those years, Jesus said, Woman, you're loose, laid hands on her. How did Satan get involved in her life? You know, she, like, go the palm readers? Like, I don't know what she did. Did she have a spirit of divination? Like, what, what did, how did she get a spirit of Satan? You know, Satan bound her. How did that happen? You know, I have no idea. Jesus knew, but it was irrelevant. He just said, you ought not be like this. I'm going to give you an opportunity for freedom right here, right now, on the Sabbath. Welcome to the rest that you've been looking for all your life, honey. 
and healed that. She was bent over, all messed up, totally healed that day. You don't have to be defined by your past. You may have lost so much. People may have let you down. A spouse may have let you down. Difficulties may have come. You may have filed bankruptcy. You may have struggled with addiction. You may have been in a clinic. You may have lost your job. You may have been fired. You may have fired, filed bankruptcy. You may have had all kind of issues. And maybe it's just stuff that nobody knows about. Whatever it is, I'm going to tell you something. You don't have to be defined by that. I don't care if it was in the headlines. That's not who I am. I'm a new creation in, all, in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. They're continually becoming new, new every day, faith to faith, glory to glory. I mean, I'm walking in this thing, and he ain't done with me yet. When he started on me, he hadn't finished it. He's still working on me, and he's rubbing off the, 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 the rough edges, and he, he's going to finish what he started in my life, and I'm going to let him. I'm just going to walk on and let God finish what he started. Can you lift your hands to him right now and thank our great author and finisher of the faith, Jesus the righteous. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.